you are so blessed to have this couple leading you along with many other gifted leaders and give them your full support, give them your prayer support, trust them. They are people of God. They are people of God. This church is so fortunate that they were in position in difficult times. And every church has difficult times. And they were in position to give such life, such wisdom, such sacrifice, such pastoral care to you. And so I just am so grateful for his kind words. and So grateful to get to serve the Lord by serving uh, alongside other leaders in this church for uh, just a brief season. And, uh, and I just know God wants to powerfully, powerfully, powerfully use this church in days to come. I'm ha I have two passages of scripture that I'm going to uh, share with you today. If you would like to follow, uh, the first passage is in Titus, Titus, right towards the end of um, uh, the epistles there in your New Testament. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 and following. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 and following. Paul is writing to an individual. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, who he has poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Let me read that again. And I want you to stress these things, Paul to Titus, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Things that are excellent and profitable for everyone. And a second passage of scripture, one you know ever so well. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. And we'll start at verse 7. But each one of you, each one of us, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. And this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to lower earthly regions 
He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It is he who has given some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. You might say, why? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Lord, we just ask that you might speak to us through Holy Scripture. We ask that you might speak to us. And uh, Lord, we ask that we may be responders. Uh, Lord, we think of Scripture that says to become doers of the Word, not just hearers, wonderful as that is, but Lord, to become doers of the Word. I pray this over this precious people. It's leadership, it's faithful people, those who are seeking you maybe and have not really fully found you. Yes, we just pray together that we might all be doers of the word and works of our God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, it's my joy to be with you today and to get to share and, and uh, just an excellent time I have already been having and anticipate for the next moments to have. Our uh, daughter, Deborah, who was just with us this weekend with her precious husband, Bronson, uh, who has, was in higher education and Christianity uh, for 14 years and then shifted into the business world. Uh, our three grandchildren, their children, our three grandchildren, by then we have a total as most of you know, 14 grandchildren. Um, Deborah's a teacher, and uh, as Sarah Jo was, as my mother was, as Sarah Jo's mother was, and so forth. So she had followed Deborah. Deborah teaches in a Christian school in Greenville, South Carolina. And I want to tell you a story about that school. The school, in its for the seniors has a trip every year. So if you go to that school and you hang in there and so forth, you have the senior trip. And the senior trip one year was to go to New York. And so the seniors go up there and they're awed as we all would be by all the impressive, impressive things about New York. And one of the high adventures of New York was to happen one morning. And one of the young men overslept. Here's a busload of teachers and administrators in school and fellow students, and he oversleeps. Can you imagine? Now, all of us having been teenagers, a few of us still are teenagers, the embarrassment, the humiliation. And, and um, somebody wakes him up or something, he comes down, probably his hair wasn't combed, there's sleep in the eyes and all of that, and you know, he comes on the bus and he's apologizing. It's probably, you know, people just a little bit sensitive, 
to his inconveniencing a whole busload of people from his Christian school. They had this event planned. They were going to one of those tallest buildings in New York, and they were going to go to the top floor and have breakfast and, and see all of New York. And his kid just messed up the plans. That was not real recently, though it was happened yesterday, 20 years ago. And they were supposed to have breakfast in one of the Twin Towers. And because one kid overslept, the whole busload of people that are alive today to tell about it. God wants to take those events in our lives sometimes. <laughs> Embarrassed. Oh, you know, I've messed the whole bus load up of and whatever, you know. And and advance his kingdom through very human people like you and you and you and me. And he wants to do it, and he wants to do it. We look at this passage of scripture. Titus, uh, the letter to Titus, is one of the most compact, touching. Uh, passages in all of Scripture to contrast the person who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ with the person who does know the Lord Jesus Christ. And he it's much too long a subject to really go into, but Paul gives seven things. Paul gives seven things that happen and uh, to those who don't know our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's described himself in that. Foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved. And so it goes on and on and on. Envious and so forth. Seven things. It'd be a real good teaching just to teach those seven things. I'll pick a couple of them. Deceived. We look at our precious culture. I love this nation. I love the people in this nation. As I trust all of you do. But there's so much deception out there. There's so much imagination. There's so much fantasy. There's so much uh, all of that happening out there. Uh, and how darkness is using this to advance the kingdom of darkness and fight against the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's so much deception. Paul Paul recognized it then. That's first century. This is 21st century. Still struggle with that. Enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Think of all the people you know that are in such bondage, such bondage to addictions and sins and all of those sorts of things. We Christians struggle enough for victory, but those who just given their their lies to darkness, how they struggle, how they struggle. Enslaved by this, these people think they are so free. They think they're so free. And yet they're enslaved by these things of darkness and sins and brokennesses. And so Paul goes into detail about what life was like before they knew Jesus and what life is like after knowing Jesus. 
Now, laying that as a foundation, we turn a pass to a passage you know so well, the most of you. And we'll pick up just a few words here. That God is doing these things, and he starts a list of offices, government, governing bodies in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. I was reading it, John Stott, a book written 43 years ago. And he would not be as enthusiastic as the first part of this group as I and most of you would be uh, prophets, um, apostles on. But when he gets to evangelist, he launches, <clears throat> he launches, and he talks about, and this is you now, unless you're on the journey to becoming a Christian. This is you. He says, it is the responsibility of every believer, and I could say, how many of you are believers? Most hands would go up in here, I dare say. It's a responsibility of every believer to share his faith or her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ with those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I agree with him 100%. It is our calling. It is our responsibility to share faith with those who do not know our Lord. And then he picks up on the office of the evangelist. And a long string of information about the office of the evangelist. Um, and I'm going to also use some of uh, one of the great uh, spirit-filled writers, leaders, who was a professor at uh, Fuller Seminary who did a lot of studying on the gifts of the Spirit. And I really, I am so into the gifts of the Spirit. And he was, he was a great uh, teacher, leader in the gifts of the Spirit. And his thinking is that in a gathered group of Christians, well, let's take this church. It's his belief that 5% of the body of Christ in Mission Community Church. 5% of you are called to be evangelists. Wow. Now, many of you, hopefully most of you, maybe all of you would agree, yes, we're supposed to be, share our faith. We're supposed to witness. But 5% of the people in here or to be evangelist? I personally think he's right. Now, does that mean you quit your job and go out on the street corner and start preaching this afternoon? Probably not. Probably not. But it means that it means that that is your number one calling of the Lord God himself to share your faith to evangelize the lost. Again, there's a contrast here, but it were very respectful contrast. The contrast is all of us, if you believe 
or John Stott or a Percy Burns or, or uh, many, many, many Christians. We're all called to share our faith. But some of you, it is your, their number one calling in life. Now, a church, and I've been pastor 40 years before retirement and still a part of life of churches and so forth. A church has many things. Somebody's got to set up the chairs, somebody's got to do this, and somebody's, and you know, and you give yourself to all of that, you know, just sort of sit around and do your one thing. You serve, you love, you pray, you, whatever needs to be done, you do it for the Lord's glory and for the good of this church and the good of this city. But some of you are called to make every effort you can along with what you're doing as a servant of the church to share the gospel with the lost. And, and John Stott gives a long list of things. You know, and this is 43 years ago. Think of all the advantages we've got now that they didn't have 43 years ago. He goes, you know, a, a Billy Graham kind of evangelistic service. Then he goes on and on and on and on. All of it very wonderful. And they said in creative ways and technology. They didn't use the word technology, but what we would call technology. But we've got so many more things. Your heart could be through through the internet, through whatever, but... I encourage those of you who are called to be evangelists. Do everything you're supposed to do around the church. Be there, be there, be helping, be whatever. But every time you get a chance, use that calling of God. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And my belief is, in having been filled with the Holy Spirit 48 years ago, my belief is in church, people are most effective, most content, most joyfully fulfilled when they can operate in their gifts. Now, again, I have to rush to say there's a lot to be done around churches, and some of it may not be your gift, but it needs to be done. But if you can walk in your callings and gifts, that's where you're most fulfilled, most content, most impacting. And so the simple message today is the importance in the, of sharing your faith with the lost. You may say, oh, Percy, you know, I, I'm not godly enough, I, 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 but I'm working towards it. Or you may say, oh, when I learn enough, I will uh, be able to to do that, but not now. I'm a little shy and reserved and all. But think of the people who led you to the Lord. Were they perfect? <laughs> Were they, you know, on the mountaintop all the time? No. But you're right here today, a walking person walking in faith. Because some person or group of people, there might have been a string of people over in your lifetime, but some group of people shared faith or lived the Christian life for you in such a way that you said, yes, you might have been a five-year-old or you might have been a 
a 55-year-old who led a life of sin and brokenness and destruction. But at some point you said yes to Jesus Christ. And, and the call of God is to share that faith with others. We all, I'm still at my age, continue to learn. We, nobody, none of us, I've never met that person yet that knows it all or perfectly does it all. But all oh, the people out there, God sort of rocked us. It was a group of men from many different churches that meet. There's a lot of you have heard about it. Some of you have been there. Some of you have faithfully been there. Uh, but God spoke prophetically about a month or so ago. You know, it's almost too strong. I thought I'd, I'd read that prophecy today. It's just like the Holy Spirit. It's a little too strong. But I can draw excerpts from it. And one excerpt was how many times, God asked the question in the prophecy, how many times have you used the scripture, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And God said in that prophecy, then do it. Ooh, sort of catches your attention. God said, those people that burn in your hearts, burn in his heart also. They, and, and those people who are desperate, and he is the answer to their desperations. Oh, my precious friends. This coronavirus has plagued us all one way or another, but it has broken down a lot of resistance to people who did not want anything to do with faith, did not want their life changed, did not want anybody to talk to them about Jesus. There's an openness. There's an openness in some lives out there to hear about our Lord Jesus Christ. And I uh, call on you to be that evangelist or call on you to be that witness that will tell people about our Lord Jesus Christ. One of my favorite of, of all stories in this era, uh, actually had met one of the people in the story, but it goes back a long, long time ago. And as a college in this general area, college, uh, and uh, Davison College, some of you know that college up there in the Davison community. And two Davison College students were out hitchhiking. And you, some of you might, some of you younger might say, what is hitchhiking? Uh, well, called a few college students, very few had cars, and a, few, a lot of them didn't have money for a bus or, or whatever, so they'd get out, and not just college students, but a lot of people would hitchhike. You know, this is saying, I need a ride. So these two college students were out hitchhiking. And this battered wreck of a truck, old pickup truck, stops. And the driver's a little inebriated. And, and he says, get in. And they sort of wedge in. And one of them has to hold the door on the passenger side closed. It, it, you know, it, it wouldn't even stay closed. And, and they're riding along. And it's country roads, and one of the two students started witnessing to the person. And they drove along for a while, and then they came where the, their 
they were going one way, he, the driver, was going another way, stopped. And, I'm, and one of the college students said, Sir, would you like to ask Jesus Christ into your heart as Savior? And the man said, Yeah. And so he prayed a prayer together of salvation. Both of those young college students ended up going into ministry. One of them became a, both of them were fine ministers, and one of them was a legend in ministry. And one of those two gentlemen, and again, I've met one of them along the way, one of those two gentlemen was driving through uh, an area, came to a small town, you need some gas. Pulled out of the gas station, and uh, he said, this is the town that, that guy was from. We'll call him John Smith. This is the town that, that guy picked us up years ago. And, uh, and uh, he t that was called a service station. A service station is different from what you know today. Uh, they came out and put gas in your car. So it was a service station. And, and the uh, driver, the pastor, turned to the uh, service station attendant and said, uh, do you happen to know a man named John Smith? The guy said, oh, yeah. He is um, he's the leading deacon in First Baptist Church downtown. And the attendant was went on to say, he tells a story all over the town. He said he was the town drunk. And he picked up two college students and met the Lord. And it changed his life. Come on. Oh, it just sends chills up and down. I just think that the Holy Spirit could use two college students or you right. to do something like that. People are more open to hear about your Jesus than they were two, three years ago. My exhortation to you is that you tell them about Jesus. Yes. You live the life and you speak the words. Some of you have heard me say this, but I get misty-eyed when I talk about that World War II generation. One book was written by a news commentator, and he said it was the greatest generation, and I believe it. I believe that's true. I knew those those peoples, and one of the endless great stories that came out of World War II was a scene of a naval battle. And we had aircraft carriers and battleships and cruisers and destroyers and all that. And the Japanese had the same thing. And we were looking for them. And they were, their, their, their great armada was spotted. And it was late in the afternoon, later in the afternoon, and the, the ad, commanding admiral had to make the decision. We've looked and looked and looked for him. Do we launch an attack or do we not? 
and he chose to launch an attack. The average age of one battleship, which I'm sorry, one aircraft carrier, which was probably true of the rest of them, but the average age that they focused on in the story, the average age was 24 years old. The pilots, the gunners, those on those planes. Now, our 24-year-olds are just as courageous today. When they play those video games, they'll just launch just like those guys did off the aircraft carriers. I swear for our 24-year-olds are just equally courageous. But the plane after plane after plane after plane launched. When they contacted the Japanese fleet, it was 70 miles further than they thought originally. Awesome, the sky was filled with, you know, awesome zeros, the Japanese plane shooting down. Awesome cannons coming up, all kinds of fire, but they dropped their ordnance, they dropped their weapons, and turned to fly back. The sun was setting, and they flew 300 miles back in the black dark. It's almost too tender for me to talk about, and I may have to skip some of it, but they, you, they have the actual words of those young pilots talking back and forth and what they would say, I'm giving out a gas. If it's not too inconvenient, try to find me tomorrow. The thousands of miles of Pacific Ocean. Five of them were saying, it's like a church committee. We'll take a vote. We'll all go down right together. Or we'll just, we'll wait till the gas runs out. We'll fall one at a time. They took a vote, let's all go down together. No moonlight. The Admiral had a decision to make. Do we turn all the lights of these ships on or do we stay in the dark where it's safer? He said, we'll turn the lights on. plane after plane landed. Those young men saved. Do you have the courage if you were that admiral to turn the light on? Do you have the courage to speak to people about the light that penetrates through darkness our Lord Jesus Christ? Our call is abundantly clear. Sort of safely stay back in the dark. Are we like that brave admiral for those young men? Turn on the lights. And draw people to our Lord Jesus Christ.
who is the Savior of the world. It's your decision to make as individuals. There are people out there in great spiritual darkness and you have the light. The light of the world. Even Jesus. It's been a joy to be with you. I'm going to turn this back over to your pastor, your great pastor, and let him close this service in any way he wants to. Thank you for the privilege of getting to share with you from Holy Scripture. And God bless you. God bless you.